This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. We are going to start with a thought for the day. And this thought from Goethe, who said, Dream no small dreams, for they have no power to move the hearts of men. Recently, my heart was moved when I found out that a girl with Westchester roots was part of the team whose job it was to land the rover Perseverance on Mars. NASA calls it the seven minutes of terror. As the rover was landing, there are so many things that can go wrong in those seven minutes. And there's a beautiful picture of Mallory Leflin. You can search for it on social media with her hands over her mouth. Someone snapped the picture of her as Rover landed, and her mission was successful. Mallory spent years of her life creating the plan to get this piece of equipment she knows so well to do what she knew it could do. Five years waiting for this moment. What did that feel like? Okay, so I'll try. It's weird. I almost don't have words to explain it because I it was so strange. I mean, it was exciting and so scary um, and nerve-wracking. It was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. But probably the weirdest part for me is that I've run so many landing tests. So probably in the last five years, I've run over 500 landing tests where I saw the same data. So my the hardest part for me was as I was looking at all of the data come down from landing, there was a part of me that was thinking, oh, this is so normal. I see this all the time. And another part of me had to be like, no, but it's real. <sighs> like, I couldn't really wrap my head around the fact that what I was seeing was real and had to just keep reminding myself, this isn't a simulation you're running on your computer. This is actually happening. Um, so it was all just, it's still all kind of crazy. Um, Even now when I think about it, it, sometimes I have to remind myself it actually happened. But overall, just like exciting and nerve-wracking and scary. Just like every emotion rolled into one, kind of. Let's start from that moment and go backwards. You say you had rehearsed that moment for five years? So part of my job was designing and then executing major test campaigns on the landing system to make sure that landing would be safe regardless of what um, happened with the hardware or software. So I was trying to figure out if things break in a certain way or behave in a certain way, uh, what can we survive during landing and how do I characterize that? And then should we make changes to try to make the system more robust and safer? So we have a lot of different testing environments going from just completely simulated environments where I can run a landing test directly on my computer all the way up to we have test beds where we have all of the hardware and avionics and electronics 
in a test bed and I can run a landing test using basically all of the guts of the rover. It's just we have like extra copies of all the hardware and I can run all these tests on it. So I've run through the landing sequence hundreds and hundreds of times in the last five years. So all of the data that we see in real life during landing is very similar to the data that I would see in those tests. Obviously, just in those tests, it's not really happening. Right. Uh, What is it you were trying to protect? So we have two things. One is that we try to predict the Martian environment, like the winds and the atmosphere and the dust interactions and things like that. And we obviously have no control over that. So we want to make sure that given any kind of Martian environment, we can try to survive landing. And then the second thing is we we have a lot of hardware on board. We have software running on our computers. We have duplicates of any hardware that is critical. And so say a piece of hardware breaks during landing um, or right before the landing sequence, my job was to try to figure out could the spacecraft quickly detect the problem, swap to a different piece of hardware and still land safely. Or another good example, one of the things I worked on for a long time was we have two computers during landing, and you can think of them sort of like a pilot and a co-pilot. But one computer, like the pilot, is executing the landing, and the co-pilot is just there watching. And if anything goes wrong with the pilot, it takes over. Uh, So part of my job was designing, like, how do you hand off control between the two computers in a clean way? And how do you make sure, you know, when the when the main computer truly has a problem and needs to give up, that it appropriately does it and that the other computer takes over. So I would do all sorts of tests where I would throw these different faults into the computers and make sure that the other one could take over and could still land. So it was just kind of a giant test suite of different sorts of faults that could occur during landing and making sure that they were survivable. What is your actual title? So on this project, my title was an entry, descent, and landing systems engineer. Okay, so when... <laughs> yeah, it's like a really long thing. Yeah, but the whole the whole, you know, entry, descent and landing, when it landed, all eyes are on you. You can really say I did it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. So it's like a, a team of the, the entry, descent and landing team, right? The team of people yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like our entire job for years was just focused on this one moment. <laughs> it's the culmination. <laughs> it's like such a painful anticipation. My gosh, you had to be out I of your mind. Yeah, and it's what's also weird, which you don't really think about. And like what I didn't think about until like the week before is that because you're, you're nervous and you're scared and you're excited and you have all these emotions, but you don't realize how much sadness you'll feel because it's been the same group of us working together for, I mean, I've been working on the team, this specific team for about five years. Other people have been on the team longer and every other team on the project gets to kind of keep going, right? Mm. Like we now have a spacecraft on Mars. There's a team of people operating it, but for us, our job ends like very abruptly and there's this weird sadness of like I just kept thinking what do I do on Monday wow like what like we all just I mean there's obviously some work still to do but all of our jobs completely change right away which is it's strange and sad because it's you know it's the same group of people you've seen every day and all of a sudden 
Right, right. You're done. It's like, I guess, closing night of a Broadway musical, you know, and your family just leaves by the exit door and walks in their separate directions. Yeah, Uh, yeah. That's exactly like it. All right. And we're going to come back to this point in a minute, but let's go here. How did you get from Croton-on-Hudson to uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena? Yes, I grew up in Croton-on-Hudson. I went to, like, all Croton schools my whole life. Um, And then after graduating from Croton-Harmon High School, I went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta and got a degree, a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering. Um, And then straight out of Georgia Tech, I got a job at NASA JPL. Uh, That was in 2013 and immediately started working on the Curiosity rover. It had landed about six months before I started at JPL. Started working on the engineering operations team and then about a year and a half later, I moved over to what was then called Mars 2020, which later became the Perseverance rover. And so I'd been working on Mars 2020 and Perseverance for about seven years at the time it landed. Straight out of Georgia Tech, you went to JPL. Is that the uh, regular route? Um, I would say it's not atypical. We JPL recruits heavily from about 10 to 12 engineering schools around the country, Georgia Tech being one of them. So a group of JPL engineers came to Georgia Tech and interviewed people, and then it's a pretty lengthy interview process um, in order to get hired. But I know a decent number of people who went straight from school to JPL. We hire a lot of, because now I'm pretty involved in recruiting, but we hire a lot of people directly from school, directly out of college. When you were a young girl in Croton-on-Hudson, what was the dream? Yeah, I want to grow up and be... I think, okay, so I remember, like, I always liked airplanes. Um, I thought for a very long time that I would go into some sort of, I mean, and I know for people who aren't in aerospace, it sounds like I ended up in a very close to what I thought I would do. But in terms of, like, technical, they feel, once you're in aerospace, actually, once you're in, like, any field, you realize, oh, this is much more vast and varied than I had originally imagined, and I still have so many choices to make. I thought I'd end up working on aircraft, specifically on making commercial aircraft more environmentally efficient. And then once I went out to NASA JPL and did one of my interviews there, I just thought, like, this is where I need to be. Um, And luckily that worked out for me. You know, I used to go to Umami Cafe, and I saw on the social media you were a hostess there. Yeah, I did that. Um, God, that must have been so long ago. I was there, I, I think I worked there from age like 16 to 18, working for Craig. Mm-hmm. You probably um, seated me at one point. Yeah, I imagine I did. And yeah, I live good. in Cold Spring, so I hear you work down the street at the uh, Surprise Lake Camp as well. Oh, I did, yes. Um, I went there, God, I love Surprise Lake Camp. I, I think I started going there when I was eight, and I went there every summer until I was 18, both like as a camper and then working when I was older. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it, and I loved Cold Spring, such a great place. Yeah, so say hi to Celia and Cheryl, because I'm going to make sure they listen to this. Oh my gosh, 100% I will. They're great. Such fond memories of both of them. Um, Okay, so, so... Mallory Lufflin of Croton-on-Hudson, now working for NASA. I mean, you know, you see people with NASA t-shirts on all the time, but it must feel so good to wear the NASA t-shirt. I mean, it's funny. You do see it's become very cool to wear NASA 
shirts, and every time I go into Target, I'm just blown away about <laughs> what the amount of math is. Right. <laughs> it's weird, though, because most days, I mean, obviously this month particularly has just been crazy, but it does feel like a normal job most of the time, and you sort of forget until so, until you're talking to someone else about it, and then you realize, like, Oh, even though I spent all day working on a spreadsheet, it was a spreadsheet about Mars, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. But when you're in the moment, you're just thinking, oh, just another spreadsheet I need to make. Um, so it's kind of nice once you, when you talk to people about it and you sort of get their perspective and you have a bit more where you're like, oh, right, this okay. is actually crazy and cool that I get to do this every day. When I heard that a young woman from somewhere, I knew you were from somewhere in the Hudson Valley, I didn't realize how close, um, is that a young woman from Croton on Hudson worked on this, I cried. I was so happy for you and your family, I cried. Oh, how crazy is no, that? No, thank I mean, that is crazy. It's, I mean, I don't even know what to say. That's amazing, and I don't know. Um, well, I'm just telling you, you're at a spreadsheet, and, you know, all around the world, people see your picture and just say, wow. And and you know what the wow means? I think it means thank you. I think yeah, it means, like, we know how much you sacrifice to get uh, and work so hard to get where you are, and we, I just, everybody I speak to just thinks it's the coolest thing in the world, and we all are taking ownership of you. Thank you. I mean, that... Thank you. I, it's hard. I don't even know what to say, but I, I really appreciate it because, yeah, it's not even, I think people don't realize how much just in the last, you know, few years, everyone on the project, how much you're asked to sacrifice to make sure right. you land safely and you're asked to give up a lot of your life to the spacecraft. It feels like the spacecraft truly feels like a part of my family mm -hmm. because I spent so much time with it. So it's really nice to hear that because it just, you can kind of see the direct impact of what you're doing, um, which makes it worth it. Good. Now, what kind of mementos are you taking away from this? Do you get anything cool? Are they going to bring you back a Mars rock or something? Do you get no. anything like that? No, I'm trying to think. We don't, I mean, we don't bring anything. We, we will bring back the samples eventually. Uh, but in terms of the team, we get... There's like a specific badge we get that let you into the building and let you into certain rooms on landing. Um, and you can only get that if you were working on the day of landing wow. in the building. So we get to keep that, which is special. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. There, there was like the mask. Well, we had a mask that we were given and the shirt we were given and a few pins and things, which you, again, only get if you were working on lab in the building on landing. So all of that we get to keep. Good. I guess, yeah, memories. Memories. Uh, three more questions, and I'm going to let you get back to your life in Pasadena. Okay. The first one is, um, what did you do for self-care during this really um, challenging, I would imagine, stressful time? How did you take care of yourself? Oh, God, probably poorly. Uh, I did a lot of yoga. Um, I... I have, I mean, my coworkers and I are really good friends, so a lot of times I would just, like, you know, call them to vent frustration or nerves or relief. We actually had, we had a wiki page where we would all write down our stress dreams or our nightmares because we were ha all having these, like, crazy, crazy dreams about not even just, like, crashing on Mars, but, like, just weird, like, 
weird dreams that involved Mars or the mission, and you feel a little crazy because, you know, a lot of us weren't sleeping very well. We hadn't slept well in months, but there was this, like, collective sharing that it wasn't just you, right, right? that everyone was sort of feeling it. So we would share a lot of these things. Um, And then I think one of the things I did at the end was, again, because I felt, I mean, these people who I'd worked with for five years, we felt like family. Um, I made everyone kind of, every night I just worked on what I, swag bags, where I made people a bunch of things. And every night I like would write a letter to someone about how much I appreciated working with them over the years. And then I just gave it to them before we landed. Aww. And that sort of felt to me as like kind of the way of letting go and just like acknowledging that this was a really big moment for everyone. And I wasn't sure, you know, how to really sum it all up, but I felt like being able to kind of part ways and give people, you know, just like a letter at the end was sort of how I did self care. But to be honest, it was mentally exhausting Mm. and physically exhausting. And I'm not really sure, like looking back, I'm sure there were better ways to do it. Um, haven't yet figured it out before the next one i should probably figure it out all right um silly question did you watch hillary swank in a way on netflix no i haven't yet i um i have a list of things that i need to watch i just had no time okay um do you think i should i don't know because there's no season two okay My parents also told me I should watch it, and I said, okay, okay, I just need a few months. All right, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You've had enough Mars for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Take a break. I mean, you you don't need to watch the stress that she went through trying to get to Mars after you just did what you did, getting the rover uh, Perseverance to Mars. So now, you know, the million-dollar question is, what do you do now? What are you going to do after all the uh, loose ends are tied up with this job? So for the EDL team, um, we get a few months and a set of funding to do what's called reconstruction, which is basically looking at all of the data that the spacecraft collected during landing, and we put together exactly what happened. So what we watched during that day, during landing, we were only getting small snippets of all of the data that was collected because you can't send that much data down in real time. And so we've collected tons and tons of data and we now have a few months to go back through and you know, analyze exactly what happened, every decision the spacecraft made, and then put it all together, write some papers on it, uh, think about the next mission. And then once that's over, um, I'll be starting on the entry, descent, and landing team for the next Mars landing mission, which is part of the sample return campaign. So we'll be landing another rover on Mars sometime in the next decade, and I'll be I'll start working on that. All right. Have you ever considered space travel yourself, like getting in the suit and being an astronaut? Was that ever part of your plan? I think, okay, so growing up, definitely, like there's always that. I was always really freaked out. I'm pretty short, and I was always freaked out that I would never grow to the height of whatever the minimum requirement was to be an astronaut. I remember like looking that up all the time and then going to the doctor all the time to try to see if I had like reached that point yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think as time has gone on, at JPL, we only do robotic missions, not human missions. And I've sort of fallen in love with the idea of 
the robots we send places. So it definitely felt like a dream when I was younger to go to space, but that's sort of faded over time. And now I just like the idea of sending robots. Do you fall? I'm happy for someone else to go. Yes. Do you fall in love with these robots? Yeah, that's gonna sound crazy, but yeah, we they they feel like people. Like I kid you not, we because when you're. When you're testing, and we have hundreds of people who run all different kinds of test campaigns, you basically sit in a big, like, lab, and you're looking at a bunch of computers, which you're essentially, like, looking into the brain of the spacecraft. And it can be, like, you in that room alone just with the spacecraft for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And you do that all the time. So you feel... Like, you really know it, and you can predict its behavior. I mean, I don't know if this is going to sound crazy, but it's like you, like it turns sort of into a person, and it becomes part of your family, and you like your whole life sort of revolves around it. Um, yeah, and then I, I had to prepare myself. One of the things I was really scared about, beyond just if we didn't succeed in landing, both from, like, a technical perspective and what that meant for NASA and JPL and, like, my next job and everything like that, but I... I thought to myself, like, I'll have to grieve, mm-hmm. like, the way you would grieve over someone you know. Like, I, I was mentally preparing for, like, what would it be if we lost a spacecraft? Um, because, like, you, yeah, you fall in love with it. It becomes a part of your family. So, yeah. I mean, I think you spend enough time with anything. Whenever I talk about it with people, I can't tell if I sound, like, if, if I'm sounding a bit... No. you know out there or no. crazy but it's you spend so much time with something like you truly just it turns it it it's no longer just like metal and code right like it it takes on a life of its own it has a personality you just like feel like you really know it yeah you built it you put you put yourself into it that's why i asked the question because if my baby was up on mars roaming around by itself right now i'd be you know concerned <laughs> yeah yeah it's um on the previous mission so when curiosity was built people were truly designing it you know from scratch um and one of my mentors told me like a decade later he said you what he was leaving the project i was joining the project and he said this is my baby this is my child don't let anything happen to it and you know like that's the first one of the first things someone said to me when i joined jpl and you're like oh god that's you, you have this reaction like oh that's a really serious thing to say to someone right um for me it felt less like a child and more like a friend because the perseverance design was inherited a lot of it from curiosity. So when I started working on Perseverance, it was like very much like a fully formed spacecraft. We obviously still had so much work to do, but we weren't starting from scratch. Like we weren't designing it just like straight on a whiteboard and then building it. We like so much of it already existed and we had to, you know, try to make it better and improve it, but still keep it the same and keep it safe. So it felt sort of fully formed when I started working on it. Mm So I always felt like instead of seeing it as a child, which a lot of people can sometimes do, I saw it more just like as a friend. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) Well, you know, you have actual family who thinks of you as their child uh, listening in Croton on Hudson. So what do you want to say to your family back there? I mean, probably just thank you. I mean, they've put up with me not answering phone calls for like they've definitely gone through especially in the last year everything in my life was sort of on a back burner so we could get this mission done safely so probably just 
thank you for hanging in there while I did that mm-hmm. um, and supporting me my whole life. But particularly this last year, I think was harder on everyone. And when they see people in those 1799 Target NASA t-shirts, they can say, hey, my daughter's got a real one. My parents are real talkers, and I'm sure they say that to everyone. <laughs> They're proud. As well they should be, Mallory Leflin, part of the team that landed the rover Perseverance on Mars. Such a great thrill for me to talk to her about what it was all about. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Please join us for the free Zoom call Sundays at 11 and find out about what's new with the foundation Let It Shine Inc. at Casey.co. And our final thought for the day is from Leonardo da Vinci who said, For once you have tasted flight, you will walk the earth with your eyes turned skywards. For there you have been and there you will long to return. Shine On. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.